Hi there. Thanks for turning on this podcast. The sermon you're about to hear was preached at Faith Lutheran Church in Meadow Vista, California. Check out our website at faithmv.net. You can also catch the entire worship service every Sunday on our YouTube channel. May these words bring you hope and strength for your journey. Our scripture for today comes from the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 3, verses 1 through 20. Now young Samuel was in the service of Yahweh under Eli. In those days, the voice of Yahweh was rarely heard. Prophecy was uncommon. One night, Eli, whose eyes had grown so weak that he could no longer see, was sleeping in his bed. The lamp of God had not gone out, and Samuel was sleeping in the tent of meeting near the Ark of the Covenant. Then Yahweh called to Samuel, and Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli, saying, You called, here I am. Eli said, I didn't call you. Now go back to sleep. And he went back to sleep. A second time, Yahweh called Samuel, and he got up and went to Eli. Here I am, Samuel said. You called me. Eli repeated, I did not call you. Go back to sleep. At that time, Samuel had not yet encountered Yahweh, and the word of Yahweh had not yet been revealed to him. Yahweh called Samuel a third time. And Samuel got up, went to Eli, and said once more, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that Yahweh was calling the boy. So he said to Samuel, Go back and go to sleep, and if you are called, say, Speak, Yahweh, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to sleep. And Yahweh called Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, Yes, Yahweh, I am listening. Then Yahweh said to Samuel, I am going to do things in Israel that will make the ears of all who hear about them ring. I'm going to fulfill all the dreadful things I told Eli I would do against his family from the beginning to the end. You are to tell Eli that I condemn his family forever because he knew of the blasphemies of his sons against God, which he ignored. Therefore, I swear it to the house of Eli, neither sacrifice nor offering will ever expiate the guilt of the house of Eli. Samuel lay down to rest till morning. When he opened the doors of the tent of meeting, he feared to tell Eli about the vision. But Eli called to Samuel, who answered, Here I am. Samuel, come here. What did God say to you? Don't hide it from me. May Yahweh curse you if you conceal from me one word of what you were told. Then Samuel told Eli everything, concealing nothing. Eli said, Yahweh reigns. Yahweh will do what must be done. As Samuel grew, Yahweh was with him. None of Samuel's words remained unfulfilled. From Dan to Beersheba, all Israel recognized that Samuel was a prophet of Yahweh. Holy wisdom, holy word. Our call is to live as God's beloved people in this world. That was part of last week's sermon wrap-up. It was kind of a feel-good moment, wasn't it? I mean, calling to be beloved. I like that. A good feeling of looking at the world through the lens of baptism and the truth of God's love for us. And I really do like to leave sermons on a good note. So I want you to hold on to the good feeling from last week. Because we're going to talk a little bit more about God's calling us, and you might start to get uncomfortable. Just saying. Indeed, we are called to be God's beloved in this place. 
And through the calling of our baptisms, we work for justice and peace to promote healing and reconciliation in the world. And sometimes, well, let's be honest, most times, it's a little bit unclear what that means for us. Work for justice and peace. But how? Work to heal God's world. Well, what part of the world? Where should we begin? There's healing that's needed everywhere. How do we begin this momentous task that we are called to? I think that's partly where today's scriptures can help us. Today we hear about the call of Samuel. Samuel's a young boy. He's probably, I don't know, 9, 10, 11. I'll give you a little background. In the biblical story, Samuel's birth is one of those miraculous births that we hear about throughout the biblical narrative. His mother, Hannah, was childless, one of the wives of Elkanah. They made yearly trips to the temple at Shiloh to offer their sacrifice, and every year Hannah would go to the temple and she would pray that God would give her a child. After years and years of sadness, Hannah prayed to the Lord that if she would be blessed with a son, she would dedicate him to the service of Yahweh, of God. And when he was the right age, Samuel became the ward of Eli the priest. As our text tells us, Samuel goes on to be an important prophet in the history of God's people. He is the one who anoints the great kings, Saul, David, Solomon. What can we learn from this call story about knowing what work needs to be done? I mean, we're not 12-year-old boys living in a temple. So how does Samuel's story speak to us at this point in our lives. So Frederick Buechner was an American writer and theologian. He actually just died a couple years ago. If you get a chance to read his stuff, it's really great. Um, Probably one of his most famous quotes regarding calling or vocation is, he said, the place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. Indeed, many cases, that is probably true. I do not think it is God's desire that we live miserable lives. So I do think there is something to be said for being able to find that place that brings your heart joy in serving the needs of our neighbors. And additionally, it's important to think about this quote by Beekner because in it, he combines our life of faith with the rest of of our lives, right? I mean, it's, it's easy to separate out Sunday morning activities from everything else. We might do our daily devotions and then forget about them for the rest of the day. However you might separate your faith life out, it is a tendency sometimes to do that. And Beekner reminds us there is no separation. Our faith life and the life of the world are deeply connected. Or they should be if we're listening to the call of God. I 
I think this understanding of deep gladness and the world's hunger is helpful when considering where God is calling you. But if our story today about Samuel and perhaps many of the call stories of people in the Bible teach us anything, it's that usually God's call is uncomfortable. It's not necessarily what we imagine is going to bring us deep gladness. We may need to consider the opposite. That the place that God calls us to is the place where our deep discomfort and the world's deep blessings meet. The place God calls us to is the place where our deep discomfort and the world's deep blessings meet. When we're wondering what God is calling us to, perhaps we need to take a serious look at what is making us uncomfortable. What is causing us grief? What is causing us concern? Where is a need that if we respond to it, we will be blessing the people around us? Verse 15 of our text today says that Samuel feared to tell Eli about the vision that he had had. There was discomfort about speaking the truth. Here's a preteen boy going to tell his mentor, guess what, God's going to rain down judgment on you and your family. Uh, Awkward. Yet without that uncomfortable truth, the future would probably not have played out quite as it was supposed to, as it needed to, for the life of God's people. Another lesson from the call of Samuel that can help us in discerning what we are called to do is that God often calls us multiple times. Multiple times. I can't tell you how many times I've heard somebody say, well, you know, I've been thinking about this for a long time, and it just won't go away. It keeps coming back. It keeps coming back. We heard that in seminary a lot. Well, I tried to avoid seminary. I did this for a while, and then I did this for a while. But God kept calling me to seminary, and I tried that instead. And finally, it's a little bit like Jonah, right? You get called enough times, you realize you just better go. Um, I have a good friend who said, don't mess with the Holy Spirit. When she's calling you, just listen. But the reality is sometimes it takes multiple calls, multiple nudges, if you will. This is an important part of my own discernment, that nudge that doesn't just come once and go away. I get nudged and I think about it for a while and I'm like, hmm, I don't know. But then it comes again, whether through an internal movement or through the voice of people around me. And it keeps coming again and again until I must act on it. Sometimes when God's call comes, our initial inclination is to to say, Here I am, Lord, send somebody else. (laughs) But the persistence of God is compelling. And when we are truly seeking to do the work and will of God... We will not be able to dismiss it. And as I said, sometimes we have to have the people around us help us through comments and observations. 
I had two or three different people talk to me before I ended up in seminary. Off-the-hand comments. Do you ever, did you ever think about becoming a pastor? Uh, no. <laughs> That's really funny that you would say that. Um, a couple other things that happened. And look where I am. Uh, so, <laughs> sometimes we want to dismiss people's wisdom and insight because either we're too afraid to accept the reality of what they're telling us. We've deemed ourselves unworthy. Oh, surely you don't mean I'm going to be able to do that. But if you continue to be nudged toward a certain situation, chances are you might want to think about responding. And then when we finally understand that God is calling us, what is our response? Adam and the kids, perfect. It's to listen. Right? Samuel said, speak Yahweh, for your servant is listening. When does this happen? Well, the kids had some great ideas. I'm going to give you some more. One, when you're in prayer, prayer time, right? When you're quiet, it's hard to hear when your mouth is flapping. Dear God, I want you to help me, and so I'm asking that you would um, give me your guidance. And by the way, I need this and that, and I really love these trees today, and You know, it doesn't matter what you're saying. If you keep saying it, there's no quiet time. Some people have a little hard time with that. Learn to be silent. For those of us who are introverts, it's a relief to be silent. For those of us who are extroverts, it's a spiritual discipline. So, (laughs) figure out which one you are and live into it. Close out the sounds of the world around you take time for prayer journal a lot of people journal actually as part of their listening experience there's a lot of ways to listen but think about listening one smart person wrote God's call is mysterious and it comes in the darkness of faith and it is so fine so subtle that it is only with the deepest silence within us that we can hear it I think discerning our next steps sometimes takes time. Time of listening. To be sure, God will call you, and in ways that will probably make your ears ring. When God begins speaking to Samuel, he says, I'm going to do things in Israel that will make the ears of all who hear about them ring. So that's an interesting um, thought, isn't it, to ringing ears. I actually say, I like other translations better. They say, tingle. I will make the ears tingle. I like that much better, to be honest. Because when I think of ringing ears, I think of people covering their ears and trying to get away from the sound. And when I think of tingling, I think of curiosity. Why are my ears tingling? And you kind of get this more engaged experience with tingling. Perhaps a little less intense, but more annoying right? More attention grabbing. It's like that itch that won't go away. Ugh, I hate that. Why are my ears tingling? What could possibly be happening right now? What is God doing 
Should I be paying attention to my tingling ears? God's call will also get us focused on what is important. If God is calling you to something um, that doesn't bring light to the world, I would wonder. It doesn't mean you shouldn't be doing it, but um, let's, let's have some discernment. Let's make sure that our orientation is directed towards the work of God in the world. You know, it's an interesting word, the word orient. The only time I've ever heard it in, like, in the actual meaning um, from the Latin, which means east, right, is we three kings of orient are. I used to think it was we three kings of orientar, which I never understood what orientar was <laughs> until I realized it was two words. Orient are means they're from the east, right? They were Persian. So the word orient comes from orientem, which is Latin, which is was the, um, the language of Europe. And in um, Europe, it not only means uh, east, the direction of the rising sun, the beginning of the light of day, the end of night and darkness. It is also, in Europe, the direction of the Holy Land, right? Facing the place that is sacred from whence our Lord comes. A place where the light of God came into the world as a person who brought hope and healing So when we're trying to discern what God is calling us to, we might ask ourselves if we are, um, if what we are hearing is nudging us in the right direction. Is it orienting us to hope, to light, to healing? It might also require reorientation. A radical change in our life. I mean, for some of us who went to seminary, right, it was leaving our jobs, seeking a second career, taking out school loans, upheaval in our lives completely. It's not always that radical. But it may also include simply reorienting ourselves internally, finding ways to shift our energy and attention from one aspect of life to another. Our calling is to find our role in God's story. And to be sure, it is an ongoing process. Calls change. You're not always called to this ministry or this ministry. Just because I wasn't serving as a pastor didn't mean I wasn't being called to another ministry in my life prior to seminary. I was. There's calls that come and go and we have to be able to pivot with them a little bit. We never know where we will be or what we will be doing when God's call comes to us. Samuel was a sleeping boy. Next week we're going to hear about some guys who are out fishing. Just you wait, Owen. It could happen, man. You're going to have to drop that fishing pole. Here are some other famous calls. Rebecca leader of Israel during the time of the judges. She was drawing water at a city well at Nahor. The prophet Amos was picking fruit when he was called. Lydia, who was an early disciple and patroness of the church, was selling prized purple cloth in Thyatira. Augustine was a North African bishop whose theological writings helped form the doctrine of the church. Um, He was working out in the garden when he heard the call. Hildegard of Bingen was a composer and a theologian. 
very famous woman of, of the medieval time. She was being raised as a Benedictine recluse. Zwingli was a Swiss reformer. He was working at a shepherd's hut nestled in the Alps when he heard a call. Philip Melanchthon, a German reformer, a contemporary of Martin Luther's, was teaching Greek at a university in Germany. John Wesley, the great Methodist preacher and founder of the Methodist denomination, was listening to a layperson read scripture during worship when he realized his call. Amanda Smith, a former slave and later a Methodist preacher, was scrubbing laundry when she heard the call. Mary Slesser was a Scottish Presbyterian missionary to Nigeria who was working in a Scottish factory. T.S. Eliot was a bank clerk. Toyohiko Kawaga, Kagawa, excuse me, a Christian reformer and labor activist was studying English at a missionary school. C.S. Lewis, the author and theologian, was riding in the sidecar of his brother's bike. As we think about the various places, times, and ways in which God has called people in the past, consider how God might be calling you. Is it a voice in the night? Is it a nudge that won't go away? Is it a trusted friend who sees things in you that you are unable to see? Maybe you're just restless and wondering. Maybe your ears are starting to tingle. It's true. Being called by God may not be comfortable or easy. But to be part of God's plan for the world by accepting our role in God's story, we become part of a truth that is bigger and better than ourselves. And we join the company of saints of all times and all places whose lives are marked and blessed by God's love and grace, mercy, and justice. Amen. I invite you to consider how is God calling you?